From St. Matthew's Gospel, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, friends. So uh, many of you are familiar with a consulting firm known as Anderson Consulting. You ever heard of them? Um, they're a famous management consulting firm, and they developed a quiz. This is a real quiz they developed some years ago, a four-question quiz that they would give to young, aspiring managers to help identify people who were six, would be successful or not in management. And so today is your lucky day because I'm going to give you that quiz. You ready? Question number one, how do you put a giraffe in a refrigerator? The correct answer is open the refrigerator, put in the giraffe, and close the door. And the question is meant to test whether or not you overthink simple things. That's the first question. Question number two, how do you put an elephant into the refrigerator? Open the refrigerator, put in the elephant, and close the door? Nope. The correct answer is open the refrigerator, take out the giraffe, put in the elephant, and close the door. Question is meant to measure or not whether you can remember your consequences of your actions. Third question. The Lion King is hosting an animal conference and all the animals attend except for one. Which animal does not attend? Correct answer? The elephant. The elephant's in the refrigerator. Fourth one. There's a river you must cross, but it is inhabited by crocodiles. How do you manage it? Correct answer, you swim across. All the crocodiles are attending the animal meeting. If you don't pass, don't sweat it. I didn't either. Most people don't. In fact, I think I read somewhere that something like 6% of people pass it. More four-year-olds pass it than MBA graduates, apparently. But the idea, the idea here is not to quiz you on your management capabilities. I don't think it's a very valid me metric. But I will ask you a, a, the thing I want to talk about today, and it's simply this. What is it that we use to measure success in life? What are the qualities that will determine whether or not you will or will not be a success? Of course, the answer to the question hinges on what makes you successful. But secondly, I want to show you today that Jesus answers this very question and how a person sets himself up for success in our gospel today. Three points. To be successful in this life, you must know, have three things in place. First, you must know, listen closely, you must know whose you are. Secondly, you must know what you are. And finally, you must do what he tells you. First point is, you must know whose you are. Secondly, you must know what you are. And finally, you must do what he tells you. So first thing, before we dive into this parable of the talents, which is what we're going to look at today, let me just say something about parables. A parable, which today's story is a parable, is fiction. It didn't happen. So I hate to rain on your parade today. Oddly enough, it is raining out. But uh, the parable of the uh, prodigal son never happened. The parable of the Good Samaritan never happened. They are fiction, fictional stories that are meant to teach a truth claim. And parables, when you read them, you've got to read them with another thing in mind. Not only are they fiction, but the characters in the story are always two people. God and you. 
So parable by definition, when you read a parable, it's kind of like if I said to you, once upon a time, you'd know, oh, it's a fairy tale, right? A parable, the way you read a parable is you have to realize something important. It's historical, and it's not historical. It's a story. But secondly, the characters in the story are God and you. And so the question is, who are you? So, for example, in the parable of the prodigal son, let's go back to, that's a famous one. Most people know that one. The parable of the prodigal son. Um, the parable the prodigal son never actually happened. The guy did not sell all of his father's stuff and go out and party like Keith Richards. It never happened. But in that story, there's three characters, the father and the two boys. So if you are a uh, prodigal son that walks away from the Lord, that's you in the story. If you're the perfectionist overachiever, you're the older son in the story. And the father in the story that welcomes the son back, both sons, is Jesus. That's how parables work. So if, let's look at this parable of the talents with that in mind. And first of all, let me say one more quick thing. A talent, in this case, is not a skill, right? Jesus, <laughs> the talents that, God, that Jesus gives to these men are not that they are, you know, good guitar players or effective jugglers or something. A talent in the scripture for today, the Greek word is telanos, and it's a measure of money. It's a, it's a, it's a weight of money. And so in this parable, the master, of, the master gives three servants money to invest while he is away. And when he returns, the master says it right there. I'm giving you this, this money to invest and use to be productive. And when I return, he says, listen, I will expect a return on my investment. An increase in what he has given them. Anybody here have investments? <laughs> of course. So you, you are giving your wealth, your money, what you owe, own to somebody else to manage it for you. They are, listen, stewards, your money manager, it's a steward of what belongs to you. Jesus is saying, look, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you all of it. Do something with it before I return. To the one servant, he gives five talents. And if you go back and look at it, a real subtlety in the text is the guy goes out with haste right away. He's excited to take those five talents, this measure, and he goes and he makes five talents more. Jesus, the master Jesus gives to another servant two talents. He goes out and makes two talents more. And the in, important thing to see here, Scripture says in verse 15, that he gives five talents or two talents or one. Listen, this is really important. It says right there in verse 15, each according to his ability. Let's stop there for a second. And notice something critical and also commonsensical that we all don't get the same thing. The servants are not given the same things. One gets five, one gets two, one gets one. But the Bible's clear about this, that we, that we are all given different gifts and talents and skills, right? We're all given different things. The world would be a horrible, horrible place if everybody was like me, right? It'd be terrible. We're all given different gifts, different skills, different abilities. And one other thing, too, to bear in mind here is everything that they have and everything that you have is a gift that comes from God. Yes, they're not equally given. We're, there are not, not everybody gets the same thing. We're not all raised in high-functioning homes with two parents and access to education and all that stuff. No way, man. The Bible's not naive about that, but what Scripture says is that we're all, we are all given different things according to our abilities. If I had been born in 12th century Mongolia, 
I would be a very different person than I am today, for example. And the point I want you to see here, this is point number one, and it's really important. If you want to know what it's like, how God wants you to be successful, the first thing you need to know is not who you are, but whose. Who, whose are you? Here's the thing, right? Let's just cut to the quick. You are either a great big cosmic accident or you are a created being with God-given, God-given skills, abilities, and opportunities that the Lord has placed in your life to nurture you. Either that's true or you are a great big cosmic accident. Scripture says very clearly that you and I are created by God in his image, and that everything that you have, everything you have is a gift. Everything. That God has given you everything you have. I woke up this morning. You know why? God put breath into my lungs, for example. So if you want to know, if you want to know what success means, you've got to start with the premise of the argument, which is this. Whose are you? We're all different. We are all different. Some do get more than others. But we are all held accountable for the things that God has given to us. You don't get angry at somebody who's got more than yes, you, and you don't get contemptible of those with less. You know why? We are all given different things. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says this. Listen to this. For you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Translation, you didn't make yourself, God did. And everything you do in this life, you're called, if you want to be a success according to God, to give him glory. I'll get to that in a second. But most people ask themselves, who am I? What am I going to do with my life? Who do I want to be? This sort of great big tail-chasing self-actualization exercise. Nonsense. You want to know what God, how to be happy in this life and be a success? Ask yourself the question, whose am I? Because then you will know to whom you are accountable. So here's the question, and this is a real one. Whose are you? You probably never thought about it before, did you? Whose are you? Not who, whose. Whom do you live for? And that brings me to my second point, that if you know who you, whose you are, what, you ought to know what you are. Back to the parable. The job of these three servants is the same. They all have the same charge. Go out and give what I've, use what I've given to you to glorify me. Give glory to your master, to honor him by producing with what I give you more than we had before. So what are you? Well, what, is God, what is God calling you to do? Well, God expects each of us to live and exist according to our own ability. But notice in, in these cases, these guys all turn up with different amounts. Five, two, and, well, one. Get to him in a second. And in each case, this is really important. In each case, these people produce all different things. But in each case, the reward is the same. Well done, good and faithful ser- servant. In other words, happiness is not found in things. We all know people that have lots of things. They're not happy. Happiness is not found in things, friends, but in giving glory to God. It's not intuitive, but it's true. Using the things that God has given you in this life to give him glory. Let me give you an illustration. Anybody here ever been to a museum? Yes? I had dinner last night with uh, a guy named Brady Roberts who runs the museum here in town. Fantastic guy. Really enjoyed him. 
Um, but if, I'm not a big art guy. I will be perfectly honest about that. I'm not a big art guy. I'm a left brain engineer by nature. But a couple years ago, Kathy and I took our daughters to the uh, Museum of Art in Washington, D.C. It didn't really blow my skirt up. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big art person. I don't appreciate it. Some of you do, and that's awesome. We're all different. But there was a section of Christian art that I thought was just really mesmerized by. And I spent, I've spent 15 minutes staring at something called a pix. It's a 12th century uh, device that you would actually use to carry the sacrament to the homebound. And it was in the shape of a, a dove, right? Little tiny metal thing, 12th century, 800 years old. And I was mesmerized by this thing. It was behind glass, you know, you couldn't touch it, and I couldn't take it. But uh, <laughs> I would have, no I'm kidding. <laughs> but, I, but I just stood there and looked at it and thought, man, that is just the have We have no idea who made it, some nameless monk somewhere. But what, what struck me as I'm looking at this, this object is the man who could have been a woman too, for that matter, I don't know, but somebody who created it made something beautiful. And by me admiring that object gave that artist glory. Do you see my point? Like, if you look at something that somebody creates and you admire it, you're giving the creator glory. And I don't mean that in some stupid, schmaltzy, hallmarky way. No, I mean that... Everything that is created indicates the nature of its creator. And the reason I'm saying that is that you and I are unique and uniquely created by God. You are literally his work of art. When people see the things that you do in this life, when you use your time, talent, and treasure to the, for his purpose, you're giving him glory. Do you see my point? It's not as, you know, out here as it sounds. Here's the question. What gifts has God given to you? And do you use them for his glory? You know, I have, I have a, one of the great things about this, there's lots of great things about this parish, but one of the things I really appreciate is we have a fantastic staff here. Um, it's taken a while, but we've got it together finally. And uh, we all do different things, right? Um, uh, you've all heard of a love-hate relationship, right? Ever heard that book special? I've got a love-hate relationship with whatever. I have a hate-hate relationship with paper. If you, my staff knows that if you hand me a piece of paper, you might as well hand it to me with this hand and light it with a, with a lighter in the other hand because it will be gone. I will lose it just about as fast as it could be caught up in flames. My, my parish, my staff all knows that, and that's why they never give me paper. They will email me, they will text me, but they don't, don't hand me paper, I will lose it. But thankfully, we have a whole crew of people here that pick up the slack that make me look good. Alyssa Heiser, one of our administrators, is one of them. She's organized. She's forward-thinking. She doesn't lose paper like I do. She's great with details. I am not great with details. I know that about myself. My point is, though, friends, when you know whose you are and what you are, that he created you with talents and gifts and abilities, all different kinds. You can find joy in the things you're good at, and you can find joy in the things that somebody else is good at. And they might be very different things. And all those things that we do, like a painting that gives glory to its painter, all these things that we do give glory to our Father in heaven. So what are you good at? What do you like to do? Do you do it? And then my final point is, do you do what he tells you to do? Look at this. 
In our parable, I'll wrap up. In our parable, we are confronted with what seems on its surface to be kind of a cruel, kind of a cruel term of event. The, the master goes and finds, the master is Jesus, the servants are you and me. And so the master gives, comes, comes back after being away. Christ returns, right, like he will. And the guy he gave five talents to gives him five talents more. Well done, good and faithful servant. Guy he gives two talents to, he gives two talents more back. He invested it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Then there's the last guy. Guy with talent number one. The master finds this man who's given one talent, and rather than giving, rather than investing that, within, investing that towards the master's cause, the man hid the talent and says there, because he was afraid. Now, what's he afraid of? We don't actually know. If he's afraid of failure, guess what? Then you're afraid that God, if God gives you something to do, if he calls me, he will also equip you. When God called me to be a preacher, I'm terrible at public speaking by nature, but I thought, well, if he, gives me, if he calls me to this, he's going to give me the strength to do it. The man who, the guy with the one talent, he knew, he says it, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow. The man knew better. He knew he was called to do something, and he refused. Jesus calls, the, the man calls the servant lazy, listen to this, you wicked and lazy servant. Friends, that word, that Greek word for lazy is a Greek word, ozoneros, and it doesn't mean laying on the couch watching football, which is what I'm going to do this afternoon because it's a nice rainy day. Ozoneros means this. Listen, this is really important. When Jesus says you are evil and lazy, what he means by that is you hesitate. The word ozoneros means you hesitated. You shrunk away from what I told you to do. The reason Jesus calls this man evil and lazy is he had been given a charge. He'd been given something to do, and he, he backed away. He refused. He shrunk back. He played it safe. Friends, playing it safe as a Christian is not an option. God does not require you or I to be massive successes in all that we do. He does not require us to all have the same outcomes. He does not. Some people get five, some get two, some get one but we are forbidden from doing nothing. That man who had the talent was called evil and lazy because he did nothing. And there's nothing, and inaction is not an option. Look, when you, when you meet Jesus, and you will, like it or not, when you meet Jesus, either when you die or if he returns before you die, you and I are going to give an, have to give an account for how we use the time, talent, and treasure, the skills that he gave you. Every single one of us will have to stand before God and give an account for our lives. I love this psalm today. Lord, verse 12, teach us to number our days. I mean, may, remind us to be aware, to be vigilant. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Wisdom is a biblical way of saying making the right decision. Remind us always to be aware of the shortness of life so that we make the right decisions. Friends, someday you and I will stand before God and have to give an account for how we use the time, talent, and treasure that he's given you and me. Friends, here's the thing. Success in this life is not about this life at all. That's the key. But about using what God has given you to give glory to him. Talk is cheap. And waiting for somebody else, for the Christian, is not an option. Here's my charge for you today, friends. 
Are you up to the challenge that God lays out before you? He's invested in you, he's created you, and someday he will demand payment in return. And someday, if you're up for the challenge, you and I will hear those words that every human soul wants to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Shall we pray? Father, we are made in your image. We are designed by you to change this world for good and to give you glory. Help us to remember that we are yours, that you have given all of us gifts to give glory to you, and therein is true joy found. Give us the courage to do what you charge us to do and the willingness to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook. Facebook.